Hey, welcome to the Default Alive podcast. I'm Corey. And I'm Chris. And this is our audio documentary of our journeys building profitable internet businesses. And so if this is your first time listening, you can learn more about us and get up to speed by starting at episode number one. But if you're a regular, welcome back. Chris, how's it going? Good, man. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing good. I've been... Um, I've been kind of taking a, a detour from regular work the past few days, to be honest. Um, and I'm like excited and also a little bit embarrassed just because I'm like, it's one of those things where it's not really what I should be working on right now, but I can't help but like do it just because it's fun and interesting. So um, it's fun, but I'm also like in this weird, like I feel guilty about it and uh, it feels like, you know, just like a hobby. Um, but I wanted to tell you about it because it's it's back to my kind of no coding roots a little bit. Oh no way! Yeah, those are my my favorite type of things to work on. Where I'm like, I probably shouldn't <laughs> be doing this, but man, it's so fun right now. <laughs> right, and I think it's funny too because I think even just the fact that I feel guilty about doing it makes me work more productively on it because I'm like, oh, I'll just like do this one thing over here, and I just get sucked into it entirely. I'm like, okay, one more thing, one more thing, one more thing. And then three hours later, I'm like, oh, geez, I should really get back to the things I should actually be doing. Um, and so you end up just making a lot of progress super quick and lose track of time. Right, right. Okay, so you want to hear what it is? Yeah. All right. So <laughs> actually, let me um, let me show you. Our, our podcast listeners won't be able to see it, but it might make our conversation uh, that much more interesting. Um, can you see my screen, the inception going on? Yeah. Should this be our first, uh, YouTube episode that we do? Oh shoot. Maybe, <laughs> maybe I might have to share a clip on Twitter or something. Okay. Oh, so man. I'm building a mobile app in Adalo. Have you ever used or heard of Adalo before? Oh, wow. Uh, I have heard of Adalo definitely, okay. um, but never used it. Yeah. So I've heard of it a bunch too. Um, I've been very skeptical of a lot of the like mobile app builders, especially um, because I don't know, they all seemed very like cookie cutter, uh, super simple, kind of just like, Oh, connect to your Google sheet or Airtable. It's like, there's nothing wrong with that, but it's like, it's not like a real app. It's more like you're making a website that happens to be published as a mobile app kind of idea, if you know what I mean. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, okay. So let me tell you the backstory. So I was playing poker the other week at Saquon and um, I've been watching a lot of uh, poker YouTubers and there's like a whole like vlogging scene on YouTube for poker. And uh, so one of the guys that I follow, he will sometimes post like a, a little screenshot of how his session went. Um, and he, I saw that he used this app and so I tracked it down. It's called Poker Income super, super simple. He just like uploaded like a screenshot of like the report that just says like, Oh, here's how much money I made and how long I played and anyway, stuff like that. And so I was like, Oh, I should probably like use that just out of, you know, just to kind of keep track of interesting data points when I play. So I've entered the last, you know, few sessions, uh, into there. So then I went to go enter the latest one when I was playing poker last week and I got hit with a paywall. And I was like, what? A paywall? I didn't even know that this thing, you know, was like a freemium model, basically. And it's such a simple app. I ended up just paying for it. It was like $5 one time. Um, but, I was, but it's like all the like default, uh, like Apple iOS um, UI patterns and basically like all the like Apple UI kits that they give you with Swift, just like the, the default styling and everything like that from like 10 years ago. And so it's like, <laughs> it's ugly. It is super clunky. Like the way that you enter a session, like every, uh, every single data point is like a new screen that you toggle between using arrows. So you're going through like 10 different screens just to enter one, uh, one session. And, uh, and it doesn't look good at all. So I was like, I wonder if I could build something like this. And I thought of Adalo for whatever reason, just because I heard people say that that was like the most comprehensive or, or interesting one. Yeah, and, uh, and so I started looking into it. I watched an Adalo a YouTube video, which I can, I can link to actually. It's actually really good. Um, 
And uh, I realized, I was like, man, this is actually like the perfect app to build because it's the most simple CRUD app you could ever imagine. You're literally just entering in like numbers and text, generating super, super simple reports, and you're just keeping a log of this type of stuff. Like the most basic app you could ever imagine. I was like, I could totally build this. So a couple hours later, and I had basically like an MVP. Um, this is actually isn't it what I'm showing you right now. This is like the last four hours of work <laughs> that I've been <laughs> that I've been uh, procrastinating to other work just do just doing this for fun. Um, the first version uh, was like a really there's like really simple components you can just drag and drop in. We have like a screen, and then you can put in something like a form, and then you can have like a screen that displays the data from the form, and uh, they have you know, databases that you can set up. Uh, but man, it's been so interesting because I feel like in the last like five hours of working on this, I've learned more about how SaaS apps are actually like work in the back end than ever before. I'm like, oh, okay, I get it. Like when I'm, I'm trying to figure out like, how do I just display the data that a certain user enters instead of just every user's data? Like, oh, okay, I just filter by users. That must be how like relational databases work <laughs> where like I've always wondered, how do you just pull in the information for one user in particular? Well, here's how, like this is a super simplified uh, version of that, you know, kind of view of that. But it's literally just like this list is a, se is a list of sessions filtered by whichever user is logged in. And then I have a relationship between the sessions and the users. and um, and so I don't, anyways, just stuff that I've never really seen or given a bunch of thought to now I'm like in it and I can feel how it actually works together. Yeah. Dude, I, this is awesome. I have so many thoughts. Uh, the, the first one just being that you went from like, you, you know, you, you saw this app and it's like limitations and it's old design and all of that. And you're like, wouldn't it be cool if I could build something better? And then because of no code, you just went and did that, which is so awesome. And is why I still am a strong believer in no code and the direction that things are going. Um, yeah. So number one, that's, that's really cool. I know I, w I was actually really surprised. Um, like they even have a lot of templates out of the gate that you can use. And, um, it really is interesting because if, if you're just looking at like what's available at your hands, you can start to see like, oh, this is definitely an improvement from like what existed a couple of years ago. And then you can imagine like, okay, what's like the next step? Okay, this is like a basic CRUD app. Well, then they ha also have uh, like templates for um, like marketplaces. And then with marketplaces, you can... Um, uh, you, you can have like two different sides, two different types of users interacting with each other. And then like the next step from that is like more of like a social app where there's uh, likes and chat and the ability to follow and things like that. Um, the, the, the YouTube tutorial that I was watching, this guy was building a, just like a little diary app, like a journal entry app. Um, but you can start to imagine like, okay, on a spectrum of like super, super simple to like the most complex apps out there in the world that use a crazy amount of machine learning and algorithms and calculations, et cetera, et cetera. Like no code is slowly taking more and more uh, of that spectrum, you know, starting from the left side mm -hmm. of like the simpler things, but like it's growing, it's moving to the right more towards more complex apps. Totally. Yeah. And I would go even like a step further to the left, which was originally, you know, building just basic static websites. Right, uh, right. Versus now, like you said, having it backed by a database and forms and logged in users and all of that, like that is the, the next step. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, again, I've, I've been pretty impressed because I haven't even really dug in that much. I've been YouTubing some things, but it's actually very intuitive, like more intuitive than I thought. Um, Adalo did a really good, great job of uh, kind of like giving you these concepts to work with. So 
there's always um, this idea of like screens, components, and databases uh, as like, okay, these are kind of like your, your building blocks. And then within each of those, there's like the content of it. And then they have this idea of an action, which is kind of how you tie things together. Um, and the content and the actions you can see like, okay, basically I can click on this button and I can say, uh, okay, for everything on this screen, when you click this button, create a new session, and then you map each one of the things on the screen to a database record. I'm like, that's exactly how I think it should work. <laughs> and this is exactly <laughs> how they designed the program to, to allow you to build it. Um, and so, I mean, like execution-wise, they've done a, a really good job. Yeah, this looks... I'm going to have to watch that YouTube video and maybe dive into this because it's, it's giving me some ideas just for uh, some potential things we might do with JetBoost. And uh, yeah, this is this is really cool. Yeah. So, oh, you know what? Let me let me pull this up too. It was also interesting because I was thinking like, okay, I need to start planning out what I want to build out ahead of time. And I knew some like basic, you know, product planning kind of uh, best practices and whatnot. But let me just show you the document that I pulled up because I thought this is also helpful and just like, all right, the actual practice of building an app and like what are the the basics that you need. I pretty much just uh, pulled together a list of like, all right, here are all the different screens that I need. So I have screens like sign up, login, um, the home screen, whatever that's going to actually be. But then, and then we have like. Um, a session. So then there's different versions of a, of a session, like a new session. You can view a session or you can edit a session. Uh, I wanted to have like a stats screen where it kind of aggregates and pulls together reports based on your sessions. Um, a profile slash settings screen and then an edit profile screen. And then I'll eventually need like an upgrade screen if I'd wanted to like monetize or something. Um, but then it forces you to also think through like your data models of what's going to actually go on those screens. So then I had another section that says like, all right, data, I'm going to have one database of users and these are all the piece of information I need for those users. And then I'm going to have another database for sessions. And then it's going to have all the different pieces that I need for each session. And then I actually ended up splitting out a lot of these into separate databases as well so that the users can add to them too. So this is one of the things I had to figure out kind of the, the hard way and really kind of blew my mind about like, how do you, how do you make this work? Because like the first screen that you're dropped into is basically like the session screen and then have this little button that says like add new. And then you're dropped into like uh, just a form basically. It's like, okay, what's the date, location, stakes, type of game, how many hours did you play? What'd you buy in for? What'd you cash out for? Any notes that you want to add? And originally I just had a form that was like an exact copy of the database fields. But then I realized that I would have to either pre-fill everything ahead of time. So pre-fill like all the locations, all the different stakes, all the different types of games people would want to play, um, things like that. Or I'd have to put them all in as text fields and if I put them in as text fields, then I couldn't do any other reports. And so I had to like go through this whole process of like, okay, well, if I'm gonna allow people to add their own locations, well, now I need to have like a separate database just for them to add their own locations. So now I create this little button. This is like, okay, add a location. You can just type in uh, a new one right here. It says create location. And then now that's like entered into their database and then they can select it as a new location on the screen. But before that, I was like, I don't know, actually doing it made it so much more real than I can actually see how these things work together. And then if I wanted to click add, I can add, I can type into each one and then I can click edit. And then that was like a whole other thing trying to figure out how do I replicate <laughs> like the new versus the edit and, uh, and like updating a database record was it was like, I don't know, it took me like an hour just to figure that out on how do you like map those th things together, which I have no idea how it actually works in code, but you know, Adalo has a kind of 
uh, opinionated way of doing things. The stats, man, that was really hard trying to figure out. They have a lot of equations kind of out of the box, but like creating a really simple graph that's like um, how much money have you made per location took forever because then we're doing like all these filters and columns trying to figure out like what's what goes on the x-axis versus the y and how do you like split it out per location instead of just showing profit loss uh like in total but then it would just show like your total number for every location instead of for each location if that makes sense um Mm -hmm. but anyways yeah it's it's really simple It's, it's just like three screens sessions stats profile and then like the ability to create update or delete any one of those and that's pretty much it yeah it's 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 really crazy seeing all this because like the process you're going through is exactly the same process i go through to say build a new app uh like the i i wish the listeners could see it but you you showed that bullet point list of all the different pages and mm. or screens, sorry. Um, and you know, some screens are nested inside other screens. And, uh, and then the, the, the way you did the data modeling is like exactly the way I do it. Like you have users and then what fields go on those users, what fields go on the sessions. Those would be like your database tables. If you're using, you know, like a SQL database. Right. Uh, and yeah. And then seeing the, the quick feedback loop that you get f- because you're working like you're looking at the UI, you're looking at the form and you're realizing, oh, I need to restructure my data model to support this form. Yeah, uh, right. <laughs> with the example that you gave with, with the adding locations, like everything you're doing is software development just without writing the code. Mm-hmm. Super cool. Yeah. I I mean, one of the really easy things that they, they allow you to do is just to, to preview. And I thought at first it was like, oh, you can just like click through, but it really is like an exact replica of what a user would see. And you can actually use your own app. And so like I created this, uh, you know, click preview and then you go, you can just like use your app as you've built it, but then it'll actually create like the database records. So you can actually go in and see, um, okay, like this one that I, uh, that I just created, like, here's the record for it. <clears throat> and so now I can see like, oh, okay, actually I really need to make it required for people to put in a number for buy-in and cash out, uh, because otherwise it like throws off all the, the reports and, you know, you have things divisible by zero and, <laughs> you know, like there, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, so you can actually like test it real time as you build it. And then as you see, like things don't work, like I was trying to, um, I had this session, this, uh, this page for editing a session and, um, the, one of the click actions, they have one called, uh, one called create one called update and one called delete, which is, you know, literally like uh, a cred app basically. And, um, for update, I, I mapped the fields to the, they have this kind of idea of like the current session, whatever it's linked to. Uh, in other words, the page right before whatever got you to the page that you're at now that's allowing you to edit. And so I basically just created like this loop of like, whatever I did, it would just always go back to the first version of what I was trying to edit and it wouldn't actually overwrite anything. So then I had to learn like, okay, now I need to map everything to these fields instead of the last fields that, that I was at. But I wouldn't have done that or realized it unless I was previewing it and like testing it out myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. So anyways, um, that's what I've been spending the last <laughs> few hours on <laughs> and, um, it's been a lot of fun. It, uh, I'm trying to like build everything out so that it works right. And then do a little bit more like design work. Um, I just made some like super simple decisions around like colors, but then you have to like upgrade in order to use custom fonts and, um, actually like publish it. And so, and might, this might just be like a little thing that I use myself or it might be something that turns into something other people use. We'll see. I'm not sure yet. Yeah. Well, it, yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. Cause I thought you're going to show me like, I don't know, some, uh, another like copywriting prompts type side project for, <laughs> for swipe. Well, <laughs> but no, it's, no. it's poker. So 
Sorry, got a got a new career going on. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I even bought the domain. I, I actually, I was kind of surprised because I was doing some keyword research on Ahrefs, just th- seeing like, like what are because I, w- I wanted to look at what are the all the other you know poker session tracker apps out there, and then uh, so I saw a couple. They're all like either really really sophisticated and pretty well designed, or like super super basic and kind of crappy. And um, so I was doing some keyword research to, f- to try to find them all. And then I found like the main parent keyword people are searching for is uh, poker bankroll tracker. And then I just typed in poker bankroll tracker.com into Namecheap. And lo and behold, it's available. <laughs> so I was like, all right, well, I'm just going to swoop this up and <laughs> we'll see what it turns into. Yeah, that's funny. So, how many domains do you own now? Oh, geez. You know, I honestly, it could be worse. I've I've stopped myself from buying a lot. <laughs> it's probably somewhere around twenty. Um, okay. And even then, like a lot of them are just different variations of the same one. You know, it's like I have spyfiles.com, yeah. .co, .io. I think I might even have .app. Um, so, like individual branded names, I probably have like six or seven. Okay. That's not too bad. Yeah. Yeah, it's not so bad. Um, again, it could be worse. And of those six or seven, you're probably using most, <laughs> like most of them probably have a project live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's not, there's not, I think there's only one or two that are kind of just like yeah. idle or just like ideas nice. for the future. Actually, yeah, I just good. noticed that um, I think I accidentally bought poker bankroll track dot accountants. I have no idea how that happened. Oh no. <laughs> what? Uh-oh. I'm so confused. You know how sometimes it'll like, yeah. Uh, it'll show you like a suggestion if something right. like underneath what you're actually looking for. I think that I might've accidentally, I hope it's still available. That's weird. Sometimes I wonder why I, st- I still use Namecheap as well, but I like don't really like the UI UX of it. Uh, I, I feel like it used to be the good domain registrar, and now it's got kind of sh- I don't know. It's a little bit shady the way they like make the suggestions, and it's not always exactly what you search for. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, I bought. I really did not mean to. I think I did it on my phone. I don't know what kind of funny business happened, but hmm. now I own. PokerBankrollTracker.com. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea how that uh, happened. That's hilarious. I'm just going to go ahead and uh, set dot accountants to not renew. I have no idea how that happened, but whatever. That's weird. So, yeah, anyways, if, if nothing else, it's been a really cool learning experience. Just feeling like, yeah, I, I get this more. You know, I can see how this works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So that's the that's the thing that I've been working on the last few hours, but um I have some other updates I can talk about, but what's been new with you? Uh let's see. Yeah. Uh <laughs> it's funny, I was surprised. I was like, has it really been two weeks? I feel like it's I know. it's flown by. Yeah. Yeah. Uh so for me. Let's see, what did I talk about in the last episode? Uh, well, daycare has resumed again this week, so I've got some, getting some time back again. Nice. Um, but it's funny, man. It, like, as soon as first day they went back to daycare, I was like, oh, I like, I kind of miss being with them now. So <laughs> it, it's a, it, it's like hard in the moment. I mean, it's it's fun, obviously, as well. But uh, yeah, as soon as, as soon as they're gone, then you're like, oh, I wish they were here. Um, yeah, yeah. You get used but, to it. Yes. Yeah. So back to a full schedule and, uh, you know, things, things are still a little bit in limbo as we're trying to move across the country, but that seems to be changing daily. Um, mm. so really, I'm still really not in like a dedicated work mode at the moment. Yeah. 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 Uh, just with everything going on, um, challenging i i had a call with uh my founder coach last week 
Um, it, which kind of gave me some reassurance about like the, the path that I've been on, which is basically just ride it out right now. Like don't try, it's, it's so hard to make any big decisions with the business. Um, and I'm being forced to be super patient and, and just kind of move things along when I can. Uh, but it also has me really, really excited for the future. Uh, what I've realized throughout these past few weeks, especially is like, I'm really happy and satisfied with where things are at right now, as far as like being able to spend time with my family, being able to work on JetBoost full time, uh, being able to work on it with other people. All of that is awesome. And because I've had this period for a few months now where, where things have been, where where my time's been limited and, and where I haven't worked as much, it's actually given me confidence in knowing and for whatever reason, I need to constantly be reminded of this, but like knowing like, okay, like the business is here to last. Like it's, mm. we're almost at year three. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's, it's still alive and it's, it's like, it's like a solid business now at, at this juncture. Uh, and it's allowing me to take a little bit of a step back and think a little bit longer term and a little bit bigger. And, um, instead of worrying about like week to week or month to month, which it's, it's definitely important to, if you don't focus on like the, the week to week or day to day results, like then you're, you're never going to get anywhere. But I've always been better at that than like actually zooming out and looking at the long term, And, and mm. so I've been able to do that a little bit and it's given me some bigger goals around like hiring and like where I want to see the company get to by, let's say like summer of next year. Uh, and, and what it's going to allow us to do for our customers that we currently have and to hopefully grow the customer base to what I think is the full potential of JetBoost. Hmm. That's like all super exciting. So yeah. Yeah. I know I just, was just heard, having um, to be patient. I always heard founders talk about like being worried about the business imploding or like when's this all just going to be taken away or just go down to zero. And before starting anything, I just thought like, that's ridiculous. Like, of course it's going to work. It's going to be fine. (laughs) Number go up to the right. Like, you know, don't be worried about it. But now working on stuff, that's totally a, a valid like fear that everyone has and goes through. And you just always think about like, when's it going to disappear or when's it going to start going downhill or you're sort of like trying to anticipate and almost like waiting for disaster, which is not like a great fun place to be in, (laughs) but I don't think that's something that you just have, you can't just be like, uh, I don't know. You have to really process that and go through it before you can't just like put it off and like, that's not, I don't know. I guess I'm trying to say you have to like acknowledge it and work past it because it, it's real for everyone. Right. And I think what I've learned is you have to go through these events where you're not sure if the business is going to survive, uh, whether it's taking an extended leave or, um, you know, competitors launching mm, or mm. the market changing, you know, the, the macro economy changing, like all, right. all these <laughs> things happen. And then, you know, you look around and you're like, okay, well, we're, we're, we're still standing and we're still moving forward. And it gives you confidence that, that, that you can like weather these events and continue. Yeah. Right. Like once, once you go through those things that scared you, then they're not scary anymore. It sounds super cliche, but I was just listening to uh, My First Million and Sean, I think it was the episode with Dharma Shah, maybe the latest one as of this recording. And uh, Sean was talking about how when him and Ben, his business partner for The Milk Road, were talking about starting it back in like December, they were like, oh, well, what if crypto goes into like a, a bear market into like a crypto winter? Like what would that change? And his business partner, Ben, was like really scared of that. Sean was like, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when, mm. but it's probably not going to happen soon. And then like literally the next month, everything <laughs> started going down. But now, you know, being six months into it, they were like, oh, everything's fine. Like they have a, 
you know, 150,000 subscribers, like they're making plenty of money, they're growing exponentially. And like now that's just not a concern or like a fear for them anymore. And so once you go through, I think I'm like, oh yeah, that's not that bad. I don't, I'm not going to worry about that in the future anymore. Right. Yeah. That's, that's a perfect example. I think I've gone through that too. As why files feeling like, uh, what happens if people, you know, aren't as active or engaged or like, what if I just disappear for a week or what if this or that? And then like, as time goes on, I just kind of forgot about those things and just stopped worrying about them. It's like, oh, I don't know. It is what it is. I'm just going to let the pieces fall where they may. And like, yeah, it, it doesn't implode and nothing has gone wrong. No one's complaining. Like I haven't, things are still going fine. In fact, they're going better than ever. And it's not because I like worried about it. It's just, it's, it's not even that it's out of my control. It's just the fear was kind of invalidated, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's funny. It's like the whole, there's like these like larger events and then there's all the way down to like the very, very small things. Like what if uh, somebody's upset and wants a refund and before mm-hmm. you've ever gone through that before, like that can be really scary. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, you, you go through it and you realize, okay, like that's how you handle that situation and you move on. Right. Yeah. You just say, okay, sorry, here's a refund. And then you click the refund button on Stripe and then you move on. With your life. <laughs> yeah. 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 Not that scary anymore. Yeah. It's very true though. A lot of those, like, yeah, a lot of those things are just, you haven't gone through before or kind of those ideas are swirling in your head. They kind of just loom over, they loom over your mind until you just go through it. And then you realize it's not that bad. Yeah. I actually had someone reach out the other day and they're like, Oh, we're looking at using JetBoost. Uh, but our legal team needs uh, it's like some sort of custom contract. And that's one of those things where I, I would have spent a lot of time sweating over it and like, how do we make this work? And um, But shout out to Art of Product podcast because I've heard like Ben Ornstein say so many times, you know, you can just say no. Yeah, and I was right. like, you know what? I'm just gonna tell him like, sorry, we, we can't accommodate custom contracts. And so I did. And then they wrote back today and they're like, oh, okay, well, can you answer these two questions? And I, I was like, that actually worked. <laughs> yeah. But they it's true. My guts. They're still interested yeah. in the product. Yeah. It's crazy. You can, you can just say no to things. Uh, crazy how that works, huh? I yeah. Know. Well, that's good to hear. Yeah. Even though yeah. I, I think it's, it's good to, to be okay with whatever season you're in and then not feeling like you're at max speed that like the business is doing great and like you can, you know, take the W, you know, and just like enjoy that. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And we did actually ship a smallish update, um, Mm -hmm. last week, I think it was. So yeah, it's been awesome. So, so Noah is really getting into more of the development side and actually like building out, uh, yeah, building out react components, um, it's awesome. It's like, instead of him doing Figma designs, I mean, we're, we're still doing Figma design so we can just iterate quickly on what things should look like, but then he's going and like building the components. And then I, you know, I have to do a little bit of tweaks as far as like maybe hooking up the, the data, uh, from the APIs or whatever. But other than that, it's like the whole like front end piece is built. Wow. And it's been really cool. Yeah. Oh, geez. What can you do? That's amazing. <laughs> I know, man. He's he's been crushing it, and uh, it's it's been really awesome. It's so his ultimate goal is to become a full time developer, mm. and this is this is a realization I'm having as far as you know when when you when you start a business, your number one concern is your customers and making sure you're providing value for them. Um, but as you start to build out a team, like that also becomes a top priority is like making sure the team is happy. And yeah, some even argue that's like more important than making sure the customers are happy. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Tyler King has written about this before. Um, I'll find it. He's, he's got a good article about this because he's very much like team first. Um, and then the team keeps the customers happy. But if exactly. you don't keep the, the team happy, then they won't keep the customers happy. Exactly. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's, it's causing me to, uh, sort of reevaluate like what's important and how can I help 
someone, uh, you know, achieve, like I have this opportunity to, to help someone achieve their career goals. And, uh, that's really cool. And so I'm trying to help shepherd that just by giving him more and more work like this to take on. And, uh, yeah, it's awesome. Like, like the changes we're making aren't like, they're not, they're not like needle movers as far as like how critical they are, but like the, we're replacing uh, a lot of the UX issues that people got stuck on. And Mm. uh, in some spots, just like making the app look better. Uh, Yeah. And and it feels like sometimes those things are minor, but at the same time, like the product feels more polished when you do that. Right. Right. Um, And, you know, it's not something I would do in month three, but in year three, like it's, it doesn't seem mm-hmm. like a waste of time or anything like that. So, right. Yeah. And that's cool that, yeah, it's cool that you get to like give them real projects, but that are still yeah. like a kind of a playground where it's not like the super serious, like we need to hit this deadline or like, if you don't make this exactly what we want, then like you're a goner, but it's not also not just like pet projects where you're kind of just like, Oh, let me find something to do. Like there's obviously, uh, a need and a backlog for things that you want improved and ideas that are still like accessible enough to just go and build. Yeah, it, that is exactly, I have struggled in the past with just giving people pet projects and you're right. Like it has to be real work, real projects that are, are valuable for the business. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, yeah, it it's just so happens like that's, that's what we've been doing and it's working out really well. Yeah. I've thought about that a little bit more because I'm still, you know, not at a, at a place even remotely where I would be like hiring or managing, but I've had like a couple people like interns from like a local college or university work with me on swipe file stuff before. And it's never super productive because I'm having to do a lot of like, all right, here's everything that I do and like all the different parts of, you know, maybe where you can help and just delegating like these little micro tasks really broadly doesn't end up being all that productive and it's hard for them to keep track of and they don't learn like a whole lot. But at the same time, if I'm like, all right, just go run with this thing, but they don't have like the motivation or the skill set yet to go and run with it, then nothing ever comes of it. <laughs> so it's, re- it's really hard balance where it's like, you have to find people with a good, like starter skill set at least with the motivation to work on something that is important to you instead of, again, you just like creating things for them to work on or for them mm-hmm. giving them things that like aren't important or aren't actually helping them achieve what they want to. And so I've kind of given up on that, on that idea a little bit, unless someone comes to me directly and is like, Hey, I really want to do this. Then I'm, I know like, okay, well they have the motivation and then I just need to test that they have the skills for it. Um, but trying to take someone on and be like, sure, you can work on that. And then this, and here's this other thing. Like, I don't know. I, I always realize like a month in, I'm like, Oh, I wish I didn't do that. <laughs> and it's not, again, it's never like a bad thing. It's never counterproductive. It's just yeah, not as good as it could be. And it ends up just being like a stress on, in my mind, like I need to keep this person happy or busy or, you know, feeling like I'm not making the best use of either of our time. Totally. Yeah. The, the issue I've always had, in thinking about bringing on a developer to Jetboost has been like, I want to bring on someone who's very senior so that, like you said, I can just give them projects and they can go do it. And it's not going to just eat up more of my time. Like I'm trying to hire people to free up my time. Mm -hmm. Challenge with that is those people are expensive. (laughs) Uh, But what Noah has, you know, his superpower is he can do the design as well. Right. And not many yeah. developers can do design. Yeah, that's uh, an amazing and, superpower. Yeah. So being able to design in Figma, being able to design, you know, it's Figma, it's CSS, it's HTML, and then now adding the JavaScript and the Re- React layer to it. Uh, yeah. Super, super valuable. And that's already saved me a bunch of time. And uh, mm-hmm. just looking to see how, how 
much I can help him grow in that role. Yeah. Uh, I forget why I was thinking about this or it's probably some podcast episodes listening to a someone, um, but they were talking about product managers. I think it was because there was like a meme going around a while back on TikTok of like the the girls in the pool talking about right. their their job as product managers, whatever it was, and then people started just making fun of it, like what do product managers do? And then there's this whole like battle between like product managers and designers and engineers. And I think that at a certain scale, you definitely need like all three of those to be super distinct people and roles and that it helps for those to all be different early stage though like if you can be a thing about if you can be a designer who can code with the appetite and skill set to act as a product manager in that you're thinking like what should we build and how do i use customer insights to uh to inform what we build like that you might be the most valuable person to a startup ever. <laughs> like that would be, that's a crazy combination of skill sets. If you can, if you can design and not just like, Hey, design this thing, but like, Oh, here's what we should design and then implement it yourself too. Like, whoa, like talk about being productive. I mean, you're basically talking about a founder, right? But it's like, like a real professional skill set, being like high level of competence for all three of those is almost unheard of. Yeah. Uh, I thought you were going to take a step further. You're not just talking about founder. You're talking about basically Derek Reimer. <laughs> <laughs> right. I know. I mean, yeah, that really puts it in perspective, like just how unique that skill set is and, and yeah. why he was able to make so much progress with Savvy Cal. It's like, yeah, right. it's hard to have all three of those. I think it's, it's easier to, to be like more product manager, designer or product manager, developer, but to be any, any combination of designer and product manager or designer and developer is really rare, really difficult. Definitely. So that's what I was thinking for Noah too, like, you know, designer, developer, amazing, like go in the right direction. Noah, if you're listening, designer, developer, product manager, that's where the big bucks are at. Like that's unheard of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I definitely think he's got, the, the talents for that. So we'll see. That's cool. That's good to hear. Um, speaking of something that I felt guilty about for a long time and finally actually did something about because it was one of those things that was important enough for me to, to, to actually feel guilty about and something that I should do was doing a small kind of revamp of the swipe files community onboarding. I hadn't changed it since I launched it which was, you know, almost two years ago. And it was still, you know, very outdated, not focused on SaaS, like just very minimalistic, like literally what I threw together in an afternoon right before launching. That's just what's been, you know, going on. Um, I've talked to uh, Rob Fitzpatrick a few times and his latest thing, I think I've talked about it before, but his latest thing is outcome-oriented communities. And he's writing a book on it and he's creating a lot of content on his site, rubfist.com about it. And he's YouTube about, about it. It's just kind of like his next thing that he's working on. And, uh, so we connected like two or three months ago and he gave me some really good ideas and examples of like how, how to do onboarding right for a community. So I took all these great notes and I never did anything with them. <laughs> so I finally <laughs> implemented them and it's really basic stuff, but it's, um, it's helping users orient themselves around um, how to introduce themselves in a way that solicits help from other people and helping them become empowered to be self-directed and finding the things that they need and also other way, ways to help other members as well. So before it was like, introduce yourself First, it was like, really, it was like, oh, here's who I am. Tell us about you. And then, like, check back in. Or, like, you know, make sure that you're you're coming back to the community. The problem with that is that people don't care who I am, really. Um, especially if they don't know, like, the specific ways that I can help them around SaaS marketing, asking questions, things like that. Uh, the second problem is with introducing themselves, if they're not introducing their startup or whatever they're working on 
or especially what they need help with related to marketing, then mm -hmm. like there's basically like a 80 to 90% conversion rate from like became a member to introduce themselves. And that is like the crux of getting them onboarded and plugged in and making a connection or starting a conversation about what they need help with that turns into them getting value out of the community. And so if they're just introducing themselves and it's like, oh, hey, here's a link to my Twitter. I live in San Diego. I like playing poker. And it's nothing to do with what the community can help them with. Then like, well, no wonder they're not getting any value, right? Um, and then you have to do a lot more work to get them back and to say something, ask a question, or uh, engage in the community in a way that would help them get value. Um, and then the third thing, like just asking them to come back is like too vague. Like they don't know what to do next, where to go, uh, basically how to navigate the community in a helpful way. So all that to say, the kind of three things that I did was one, introduce myself in a way I was like, here's exactly what I can help you with and feel free to interact with me in these ways. We can book a call. We can talk over a zip message. You can post a question and I will answer it. Ping me on the DMS or an email and yeah, these are all the ways that I can help you. Because before it was also like, hey, tell me about, I, I want advice on help building a community. I'm like, well, okay, sure. But like what this is for is not that. It's for SaaS marketing. <laughs> you know, like mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I, I'm happy to answer it, but like that's not really the way that you're going to get value out of this. Um, it's not how I want to be adding value. The second one is asking people to introduce what they're working on and what they need help with instead of any personal details whatsoever. And so now the past few new members have come in and it's like night and day difference between like, where do I jump in? How do I start asking good questions? How do we start like pulling out these things? And people literally just say like, oh, here's my startup. Like, here's what I need help with. I'm looking into SEO. I have no idea where to start. I'm like, Oh, fantastic. Like, they don't have to go ask a question in the general space now. We can just start talking about it right here, right now. And they can start asking more nuanced questions and we can kick off that conversation. Um, and then the third thing is I have a, a whole page, um, an automated DM, and two emails that go out that basically repeat all the same information of here's where you go depending on what you're looking for. So if you're looking on very like tactical SaaS marketing stuff, go to this course. If you're looking to ask a question, go to office hours. If you're looking for X, Y, and Z, then I'm just like, you know, building this like logic tree, but just in plain English. Like if, if you want this, go here. And uh, that's already paid dividends too of people showing up in places that I've wanted to see them before, but now they're actually doing those things that I wanted them to because I'm onboarding them and telling them, here's exactly what you should do. Uh, and the course is, you know, start with these three things. If that's too much, watch this video on how to create a SaaS marketing plan as an intro. It's only 30 minutes long. Just go through that. If that still feels overwhelming, email me. <laughs> like, you know, making it as easy as possible and direct as possible for people to know how to get value out of the community long-term. So, Oh, it felt good to actually do that. And it didn't even take long. It took me like two hours. And I was like, why have I been putting this off? Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I can finally check that off. Yeah, it sounds like that's going to be huge, huge value for the community. Yeah. Yeah, it feels good just like, cause I, what kept happening too was I was, I was thinking about doing it and then I would see people join and then they would, I knew like it's too late for me to like change their onboarding experience. So I'd be like, okay, well I'll do it like next week before the next batch of people <laughs> happen to sign up. But then like there's this constant drip of people signing up. And so I was like, okay, I just need to like bite the bullet, do it knowing that like I've already missed out on the past three months of people, but like the next three months of people will actually have this new onboarding experience that I can tangibly see the, res the, the difference. Yeah. That's awesome. It's cool that you're seeing like immediate results too. Yeah. Yeah. Even just for myself and like being able to kind of hold their hand or build a personal relationship, that's a lot better, but also just seeing it open up the conversations for other community members, um, to kind of jump in on the right spot and like, Oh yeah, I've dealt with that issue. Or like, have you watched this? Or I can answer that question for you. And, or even, even if 
no one's jumping in like on something super specific. If they say directly, here's what I need help with, then I'll just like tag people in the community. I'd be like, oh, um, you know, Camille, you might have a interesting um, opinion about like Facebook ads for SaaS today. And then he'll like jump in. But because I knew that, then I can just tag him and insert him in the conversation. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. Um, another thing top of mind is uh, swipe well, a couple swipe well updates uh, in a similar vein on onboarding. Um, we're working on a kind of an official onboarding experience for swipe well finally. And uh, I think what we're kind of leaning on is, or leaning towards is a combination of a really minimalistic uh, checklist for people to go to and like the, the core actions of install a Chrome extension, upload a swipe, email a swipe. Um, those are like the, the core three really. It's just like getting people to actually upload something. Um, but then also kind of landed on, it's funny because through the process of me curating all this content for the programmatic SEO experiment we're going to be doing, uh, one of the collections I'm curating for is SAS onboarding examples. And uh, I saw one that caught my eye just kind of like passing through, looking through examples of basically like, I forget actually what it was now, but it was, it was using the app. Oh, it was, you know, I know exactly what it was. It was uh, Bear Notes, the little like notes app um, for writing, stuff like that. And they had mm -hmm. notes that basically, that were pre, um, preloaded into the app when you first log in about how to use Bear Notes. So it was like, you know, start uh, here, that's one note. And then it's like this little kind of letter to you. And it's like, now click on the next one. And then it's like, here's how to X, here's how to Y, here's how to Z. And uh, so I think we're gonna do something similar for SwipeWell where basically gonna like preload a couple of uh, swipes, but they're not just gonna be like, here's an example of an email, here's an example of a landing page. It's gonna be like, here's how the Chrome extension works, or like, here's how the uh, the email works. Now go and, and uh, copy your email address and forward it. So like using swipes to teach people how to swipe, if that makes sense. So you have like a page, how to use the Chrome extension, and then you automatically like swipe that page into their account and display it? It'll be preloaded. Yeah, so basically it'll be yeah. like, you know, you have to like imagine the dashboard with a grid of, of swipes, but instead of it being blank, there will already be like four or five, each one being like a different part of SwipeWell and us teaching mm -hmm. them how to use it. But it won't just be like a preloaded swipe of some sort of landing page. It'll be like right. an image. And it's like, here's how you uh, swipe from the Chrome extension. And then like the link will be to the Chrome extension uh, in the Chrome store. And then the notes will be like notes about, oh, if you're, um, you know, try these websites if you need some inspiration. And so it'll be kind of like, a meta swipe, if that makes sense. Yeah. That's super cool. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so kind of scoping that out, still trying to figure out the details, but I feel like we're landing on a good spot there. And, uh, and it's funny because yesterday I actually reached the limit for <laughs> how many swipes you can save in a single account. Um, like what was the default for the program that we're using? Um, but I didn't realize, I thought I was at about like 1500 to 2000 swipes, but it turns out I reached 4,000. Um, so we're going to have a lot of content to curate uh, for this programmatic <laughs> SEO and, uh, it's all coming together, but it's a lot more than I even thought initially. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe you're, you're at 4,000 already. Yeah. Initially I was trying to think of the headline, like, oh man, like, I just imagine a product hunt, you know, like 1,000 plus, you know, free marketing examples. I'm like, oh, frick, four, like we might even be at 5,000 by the time I'm done. I'm hoping to finally 10, be 000. done this week. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you might as well just make it a nice round five figures. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a lot. I think it's actually going to be, it's really, really valuable. Yeah, that's crazy. And some... Uh, probably not a whole lot, but I would say maybe maybe like a tenth of the swipes are like duplicate across a couple of different collections. Like I could have 
you know, vintage um, ads that are also in the like ads swipe file more broadly. And so, you know, there might be like 200 that count for each of them. Um, but even then, like we're just looking at the raw amount of swipes still 4,000. So there really isn't all that much duplicate content across the actual collections that people will be looking through. Yeah. It's crazy. Cause like this is, isn't this kind of what you originally wanted to do with swipefiles.com? Like it, it yeah. wasn't a community. <laughs> it really was. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, yeah, I remember you used like JetBoost for some of the filtering and, and you did the tagging and Webflow. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But yeah, that was obviously just like static content. Mm-hmm. And good God, it took so much longer that way. <laughs> like I can't, I still can't even imagine. It gives me like flashbacks to the early days of just taking a bunch of screenshots of different parts of uh, a landing page and then writing notes for each one. And we can't do that with Swipe, with swipe Well yet quite specifically um but like miles ahead of the the last workflow and it's so funny too because i think this is kind of like a a pie in the sky feature idea who knows people actually want to use it this way but i think that my like original idea for swipe files was you just pay to get access to my swipe file with commentary and we'll totally be able to do that and support that with swipe well in the future. Mm. So if I could like have swipe well going back in the past and then be able to monetize my, you know, swipefiles.com swipe file powered by swipe. Well, that would have been the dream, man. (laughs) That's crazy. But yeah, it's, yeah, it's really come together. Um, a lot of examples to go through and, uh, so I have a couple things to figure out. I need to actually go through. I think I'm over 200 collections. So this is about, what does that work out to be? Like at least, I don't know. I, I, I'm not going to do public math. I don't know what the average is per collection, but I need to change the titles for each collection to match like the schema that we're creating to generate each one of the pages and the URLs and stuff like that for you know putting the programmatic in programmatic SEO. Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, about 80, 85% done. Wow. You guys are moving fast. We're trying, man. You know, oh man, that the number one question I got to ask any new customers. Yeah, actually, uh, two more customers. I think we're at four customers. now. All right. (laughs) Nice. Yeah, that's fun. MRR is growing, baby. It's growing. Yep. We're going uh, <laughs> parabolic, exponential growth now. <laughs> I think even in Stripe, it shows like, you know, 4,000% growth or whatever it was. Um, That's amazing. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited when, you know, we haven't done like a public invite because we want to have the, the onboarding experience shipped right. by the time we just tell people like, hey, use this link to sign up because otherwise I think we're putting ourselves at risk of a lot of uh, just unactivated kind of zombie users. And, um, but once that happens, like I'm really hoping and expecting like a, a much more predictable kind of drip of new customers and people hitting the limits and actually, you know, turn this into a business. Yeah. If any of the, uh, all in podcast VC guys are are listening to this, they better reach out to you quickly. (laughs) Better get in early. That's right. Yeah. I, I think my. On VC terms, my startup Swipeo is already valued at like a million dollars, probably. So, I love it. That's awesome, though, man. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, uh, by next time we can talk about the launch, and um, well, maybe actually, the next time I think we're scheduled, I might be in Hawaii, so we'll have to figure out the actual logistics of the next time recording and when that time it works out to be. But maybe the next time we'll have let's talk about yeah that's uh that's good news for me that you might be in hawaii because i don't know where i'll be living next time so <laughs> <laughs> oh man S- scheduling is, is might be a little bit of a challenge for me these next few weeks but we'll see yep yeah well we'll make it work whatever it is yeah. and uh listeners will have to just um I'll have to just wait patiently for us 
But uh, <laughs> anything before we wrap up? Anything else? I don't think so, no. Cool. All right. We'll have as many of the links and mentions in the show notes. And we'll see you in the next one.